Father, we come before you this morning, and Lord, we just look to you that you would take each part of this service and that you would use it to your honor and glory. Lord, we ask that you would remind us once again that we do not sing these hymns for our own edification, but Lord, we sing them to bring praise and glory to your name. Lord, we pray that the preaching this morning would not just be my thoughts on the subject, Lord, but they would be simply your word explained so that we may live it again to your honor and glory. Lord, we pray for the time of invitation when it comes, that it would not be a time where we would hold on to what we think we have, but we would gladly surrender all to thee. Lord, we ask that you would be honored and glorified in each part of this service, the special music, the offering. And Lord, even as we sing the benediction and prepare to leave, that we would leave truly taking the name and testimony of Jesus Christ with us. We ask you to take this time and bless it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Brother Fry, Happy Father's Day. How many fathers do we have here today? If we could just ask you to stand for just a minute, would you do that, that we may recognize you? And, of course, uh, in, in New York City, uh, we often call Father's Day Missing Persons Day, but seeing that you're in church today, that tells us you're not among the missing. Amen? And uh, we're thankful for each one. I don't believe there's any greater privilege than being able to be called dad. Amen? And uh, we have a little gift for you at the end of the service, a handy-dandy flashlight. But here's the best part about this thing. If you pull the little button on the back, i got to instruct all the fathers because we don't read directions. Amen? <laughs> it took me 20 minutes to figure this out on my own. But see, there's a little button back here. You pull that, and then the handle comes down, and you can pump it up, and it's a flashlight with no batteries. And so uh, you can put it in your car or, or whatever and remember that. But we'll have one for all the uh, fathers at the end of the service there. And I know what you're thinking. I'm not a father. Can I get one of those? Uh, no. All right. <laughs> but uh, praise the Lord. You may be seated. And... Uh, of course, is it okay to have a little fun in church? I mean, serving God, it says the joy of the Lord is our strength. But I'll tell you that joy, real joy, does not come from me seeking what I think will bring me joy. Real and true joy comes from simple obedience to the words of this book because then you can look back or if you're a father you can look him or her in the face and say not I did the best that I could I followed God's word as much as is humanly possible say that's the answer for our day and time is it not and uh, the little flashlight here, it's got a Bible verse printed on it, Joshua 1.9, be strong and very courageous. And, and uh, it says, strength for the journey on the flashlight. And uh, 
I, I am by no means, uh, I don't even know if I'm halfway through my journey of fatherhood. Uh, I was talking with one of the men, uh, we're going to have children in the house well into my 60s, and uh, looking forward to that keeps you young. And uh, uh, when you have to, uh, uh, my wife still gets a kick out of it, I like to talk to the babies. And uh, they always smile at me first and coo and do all that kind of, it's because I speak their language, amen. And uh, I enjoy that because you know what? Babies don't talk back, amen? They can only say what you want them to say. And we have to be careful of that as fathers. That's not how to raise your children, amen? It's nice for a good joke when they're real little, but the Bible has a lot to say about strength and being strong. Uh, just did a quick word count in the Bible and uh, uh, well over 500 passages in your King James Bible, 500 times the word strong, strength, strength, and strengthening is used. There's only 1,100 chapters in the Bible. Now this idea of being strong and and, and having strength is something that is biblical. In fact, I want us to look at two verses as we get started. 1 Corinthians chapter 16 and verse 13. I could quote you the verses, but I'd rather for us to just open our Bibles and, and look at them. This is the Apostle Paul speaking to the Corinthian church. He is closing up the book. Just a few last things he is putting in here and there. And uh, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13, says, Watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit, ye, quit you like men, be strong. Now, I wish I could just preach on that verse all by itself this morning. I mean, there's a life of living in that verse. If there's anything you've got to do as a father, as a man today, that's keep a watch on things. I mean, uh, I've always heard the story, you know, God gave mom a set of eyes in the back of her head. But listen, dad, you need to pay attention. Just because mom can see everything, dad, you better be watching. It says, watch ye, stand fast. Now, we got this idea of standing fast down. No, I'm not stopping and asking for directions. No, I'm not lost. I'll find my way. Has anybody ever done that? I, I will not, by God's grace, ever have one of those GPSs in a vehicle I drive. I'm not going to have a woman's voice giving me directions. Anything that's called Tom Tom and sounds like Jill Jill bothers me. It, it, I just don't like that. I, I like the old-fashioned way. You get open up the map, and you find out where you're going, and you write it down. And as long as the roads are there, you get where you're going. Amen? But listen, stand fast does not mean when you're wrong. Stand fast does not mean just because I said so. It says, stand fast in the faith because God said so, amen? 
And then it says, quit you like men. said, oh, pastor, I like that idea. Quitting time. That means I get, no, that's not what it means. Because you don't quit being a man until God takes you to heaven. You never need a break from being the man God's called you to be, whether you're a father or not. Amen? That's what Paul's telling the Corinthian church. Finish like a man. Many of you do know, some of you are still not aware, but uh, Pastor Thompson, uh, my preacher, passed from this life early Monday morning. His funeral was Friday. And, and uh, some of you will remember a couple of months ago, uh, one of the great comforts during this time is we've already sent our flowers as a church. Uh, some of you will remember that. We ask you to write notes and, and put that all together, and we sent him a nice little iPod with some music on it, some of his favorite songs from the Marshall family and things. And we made a package before he passed away. Amen? And uh, I got to speak to him just a few moments, uh, just a, uh, a week ago Saturday. And uh, praise the Lord, my preacher quit like a man. He preached his last service on Wednesday Thursday, he couldn't get out of bed. Friday, he was slipping in and out of a coma kind of state. They took him to the hospital Sunday night, and he went to be with the Lord early Monday morning. That's what it means to quit like a man. Finish your course. I'll tell you what, one of the scariest things I ever heard was, well, I used to be a preacher, well, when my kids were living with me, boy, those are fearful thoughts, and I'm not trying to bring up bitter memories of things that are past that can't be changed, but let me tell you, if you still have your children at home, don't be a has-been father. If you still have the opportunity to live and serve God, don't be one of those one-time servants of God. Finish! The course that God has before you, that's what the Apostle Paul is standing here. He says, listen, watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men, be strong. You know, we have seen in my generation the effeminization of man to the point to where men, we're not allowed to have an opinion without being a male chauvinist pig anymore. I'm happy to tell you guys that that's not biblical. Amen? It's okay to say something and mean it as long as you got God's Word. God's Word doesn't agree with you. You better agree with God's Word. Then you can be as strong as you want. I'm not backing up when the Bible says something. Let's turn to 2 Timothy chapter 1. 2 Timothy chapter 1, I mean chapter 2 and verse 1. Paul's talking to a young preacher here. His son in the ministry, he calls him. He says in 2 Timothy 2, 1, he says, Thou therefore, my son, be strong. 
but he qualifies that strength, he says, in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. He said, Timothy, I want you to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now, grace is a wonderful thing. It's God's unmerited favor. Amen? But have you ever read Titus chapter 2? The grace of God that bringeth salvation hath appeared unto all men. What does that grace of God that hath appeared unto all men do? It convicts us of sin. Amen? God's grace isn't just a good feeling. It's something that God uses to draw us to Him. And if you're going to stand in God's grace, you're going to have to stand in His Word. Amen? And so we look at these verses and we look at these commands to be strong. And I want to challenge you, uh, especially young men that hope to be uh, a father and a husband Someday, my son was saying before the service, he said, thanks for being my dad, Peter, my oldest son. And and he said, maybe I'll be one someday. I said, son, let's not talk about that right now. I love my son. And I love the unfortunate, I mean, the wonderful young lady that he will marry someday by God's will. But I want to see my son do a little growing first. Amen. You know why? Not just because I'm a mean man. Because I want him to have a life that matches what the Bible says. And you don't get that overnight. you got to work at it. It takes time. I mean, some of you remember Peter when he graduated high school. We called him the Pillsbury Doughboy. He was... Just like a little marshmallow, you pushed him in the belly and he giggled. And uh, don't do that now. He does handstand push-ups and all those things that I just say, I'm glad he's my son, amen? But I'm not doing that stuff. Listen, you've got to develop strength. It doesn't come by accident. And you go into the gym and say, I'm going to be strong. Put 250 pounds on that barbell. Lay down underneath that and you can die that way. You really, that bar can come right down on your throat and you'll suffocate before they get it off. Don't, you don't become strong that way. You have to start where you are, Amen. Now, I want us to turn to Romans chapter 5, and and I want to preach on strength. And ladies, we need strong ladies too. We need strong Christians today, but here's where you start building strength. Here's where strength starts. Romans chapter 5 and verse 6, it says, For when we were yet without what? Let's start again here. For when we were yet without what? Now, what are we trying to get? Strength. Well, why are we going to a verse when it says without strength? Because before you get strong, you've got to realize you don't have strength. Otherwise, you'll never get strong. It says in due time, 
Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet preadventure for a good man some would even dare to die. But God commendeth his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. Number one, you cannot save yourself. No human being that has ever lived is that strong. If a human being could save themselves, if you by your own strength and effort could earn yourself a seat in heaven, Jesus Christ would not have need to, needed to have died on the cross. But let me tell you, Jesus did need to die on the cross because no human being that's ever lived has had enough strength to overcome themselves. The Bible says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The Bible tells us in the verses we just read that men are capable of doing incredible acts of goodness. It says, For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet preadventure for a good man some would even dare to die. I wish we had time to go through the history. The history of men who called themselves Americans from every family tree on the face of the earth who served in our military and gave their lives so others could be free. That's a good thing. There are many others who served along with our soldiers. I think of the Filipino soldiers in World War II. You want a history and bravery. You read the history of what those Filipino soldiers did and the price they paid and the sufferings they suffered during that horrible war. Incredible things that people have done. Even today we hear stories. Someone said, I don't know what to do about our young generation. They're just not like the older generation. Let me tell you, how many of you have studied some and listened to the stories of some of our men serving in Afghanistan and Iraq today? We still have men who have rolled themselves onto grenades and died that their friends, their unit might be spared. I tell you, human beings can do a lot of good things, but nobody's strong enough to take away their own sin. You must realize that you are without strength, but Jesus Christ has it. He was strong enough to die in our place that we might be set free from the burden and the penalty and the punishment of our sin. Could we say amen to that? Do you know Jesus Christ is your Savior today? Are you assured that your sins are forgiven and your reservation in heaven is as guaranteed as if you were already there? That's what the Bible talks about. The book of Ephesians says we are seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Present tense. I love the way God looks at things. But the only way you get saved is by admitting you can't save yourself. That's where it starts. 
Amen. Let's turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1. Now, in 1 Corinthians, Paul ends the, the book by telling the Corinthians, Quit you like men, be strong. But I want you to read 2 Corinthians. This book came after a course in time uh, of the book of 1 Corinthians. But look at verse 8. It says, for, for we would not, brethren, have you ignorant of our trouble which came to us in Asia. How many of you read the story of Paul at Ephesus? The whole city was set on a riot. Now look how Paul describes it here. He said, we had trouble which came to us in Asia that we were pressed out of measure. Do you know what that means to be pressed out of measure? Um, don't want to get too grotesque here, but one time my mom stopped the car. I jumped out and got the mail out of the mailbox. And I said, I'll just run home. And I slammed the car door. And she went to pull off. The only problem was my thumb was in the car door. The door had locked. You know what? My thumb had just been pressed out of measure. Because it wasn't the same shape it was in before I closed the car door. That's what pressed out of measure means. Some of our nurses are laughing. Uh, and that's a good thing. But that's, I mean, that's what it is. We don't think about it in those terms. But Paul said, listen, I wasn't the same shape after it started. It says, above strength. Now, wait a minute. Didn't Paul just tell the Corinthians in the first book to be strong? He said, but I got pressed out of measure. I wasn't the same shape I was in before. I was above strength. In so much that we despaired, even of death. Is that what your Bible says? Better not. Wrong Bible if it does. It says even of life. Here's what the Apostle Paul is saying. He said, we had trouble. And let me tell you the kind of trouble we had. We had the trouble that pressed us out of measure. We had the trouble that was above our strength. There was nothing we could do to stop it. And even if we survived, even if life were granted, the only thing we could look forward to was despair. Could I tell you that qualifies for trouble? Now, how did Paul deal with this situation? I mean, he's told Timothy to be strong. He told the Corinthians to be strong. And now he's telling them that he was in a situation that was above strength, that he couldn't be strong enough to handle the situation. Well, you will hear me say this a thousand times if you attend here. The Bible always explains the Bible. If you want the best commentary on the Bible, 
Read the Bible. Find the questions that are there. Read what it says and you'll find the answer. So let's just pick up right in verse 9. It says, but we had the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves, but in God which raiseth the dead, who delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver, in whom we trust that he will yet deliver us, ye also helping together by prayer for us that the gift bestowed upon us by the means of many persons thanks may be given by many on our behalf. Could I tell you the first thing you have to do if you're going to have strength is admit that you have none and accept the strength of Jesus Christ to save you. The second part is it says we have a sentence of death in ourselves. Paul said, I die daily. Jesus said, take up your cross daily and follow me. It is the antithesis, the total inside out of what you hear preached from most pulpits today. What you hear today is, we need to, we need to deal with your self-esteem. Well, you know what the Bible calls self-esteem? It's got, there's a biblical word for self-esteem. It's called pride. It's the greatest sin in the Bible. You need to stop thinking about yourself and start thinking about the Savior if you're going to be strong. You need to stop trusting in what you can do and start trusting in what God can do. You say, well, how do I trust in what God can do? Well, that's real easy. How did you get saved? You said, I'm going to stop doing good works. I'm going to stop going to church. I'm going to stop listening to, to, to what the preacher or the priest or the imam or the whatever they call themselves today says. I'm just going to believe that what Jesus did on the cross is sufficient to take my sins away and take me to heaven when I pass from this life into the next. Amen? That's how you get saved. Because that's what God's Word says. So how am I going to have a sentence of death in myself and be strong after I'm saved? Well, I'm just going to do what the Bible says. You know what? You're off to a good start. You're in church on Sunday morning. Amen? The Bible says, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. Now, let's be real honest this morning. I hate this. If you can't be honest in church, where are you going to be honest, my friend? How, how many of you, it was a little bit of a struggle to get here this morning? Come on. Let's go. I mean, yeah. That's why we have church at 1030. You can still sleep in a little bit and make it to church on time. Amen. I mean, it's a struggle sometimes just to make it to services, is it not? But the Bible says so. So I'm going to do it. And what am I doing? I'm ignoring what my body says that I need on Sunday morning. That's an extra eight hours of sleep, right? I'm ignoring 
what the world tells me. I'm going to be obedient to what the Bible tells me. And by the way, what did Paul say? He said we had the sentence of death in ourselves so that we could trust in God. But I love this verse 11. It says, ye also helping together by prayer for us. You know what? There's a lot of times we have circumstance and distance and things that separate us from people we love, from believers. And uh, I, I mean, I, could, I wish I could be there just to shake Mrs. Thompson's hands and, uh, hand and let her know that we're praying for her and our church is behind the family at this time. But you know what? I can't be there. I have responsibilities here. But I'll get more done by being obedient to God here and praying here than I would by being disobedient to God and being over there. Do you see that in the Bible? Prayer is a wonderful thing. We need to pray one for another. And by, by the way, where's the best place to pray one for another? In church, amen? Paul was writing to the church at Corinth, and he's saying, your church did well. You helped in your prayers, even though I was in all of this distress and you had no idea what was going on. I'm going to explain to you what was happening in, in real detail here, pressed beyond measure, despairing even of life, totally above my strength. But let me tell you something. When we stop trusting in ourselves and just let God take care of it, he delivered us. And he's going to deliver us. And he's going to keep delivering us. And we're going to keep serving God until he comes back. Does that sound like strength to you? That sounds like real strength to me. That sounds like the kind of strength that I want to have. Because the circumstances of life, if you've not been walking through the valley of the shadow of death, you're going to someday. If you haven't been there with yourself or a loved one laying in a hospital bed and we don't know what the future holds, those days are coming. Because that's what life is, is it not? But if we'll take the sentence of death in ourselves and trust God, he'll give us strength. You trust God with your soul. Amen? Do you trust him with your soul? Are you saved today? Uh, would you trust him with the people you work with tomorrow morning? Uh, could you trust him with your boss? Uh, if you are a boss, can you trust him with that lazy employee that never does what's right? Hey, pray. It works. Could you trust God with those people in this world that want to destroy it? Could you trust God Instead of worrying about fill in the blank. That's the hardest thing in the world to do, isn't it? 
above strength, out of measure, despairing even of life, but God does deliver if we'll trust him. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 8 and we'll find another place where there was no strength, but God brought it. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, and this passage is, is preached many times when we have a missions conference talking about giving and things because that is the uh, primary uh, direction and meaning of the passage. But I, I want to remind you, Paul told Timothy to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Moreover, brethren, 2 Corinthians 8.1 we do to wit, we want you to understand, we want you to remember and think about of the grace of God that was bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. How that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their, what's that next thing? Deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. Verse 3, for to their power I bear record. And beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. Have you ever done anything that took every ounce of your strength to do it. I mean, you were exerted to the point to where if we, we tell the proverb of the straw that broke the camel's back. Now, one straw couldn't break the camel's back. But the 40,000 you put on there first got it ready. Now, here's the idea. This church in Macedonia was in poverty. Study the history of the area. Macedonia is still one of the most impoverished areas on that continent, even to this day. It said they did everything that was within their power. But then they went beyond their power. There are many, many stories of human endurance. But the ones I like the best are where the person is out there on a raft. Remember the story of a young lady that was just pleasure yachting in the Chesapeake Bay not far from where I uh, grew up. And through some tragic events, she ended up over the side of the ship, swimming in the bay. Way out from land. And dust began to set in and things were, I mean, without rescue, she was going to die. Even though it wasn't that cold and all of those things. She found a channel marker, a boy, and she was able to swim up to that and kept sliding off of it, but was able to just kind of keep her head above water. And she was reaching the end of her endurance when the rescue boat came into sight. 
And as she saw the light approaching, she said, I had new strength to hold on. You see, you can do something to your power, but if you're going to go beyond your power, you're going to have to have somebody help you. I was just talking about different things with the, as I was getting a haircut this week and the old barber that's in the shop, he just, he said, it's a very difficult time to raise children. I said, I'd agree with you on that. So I don't know of any time that it's been tougher to be a father. Because if you stand up and say something, you got one crowd screaming at you. If you sit down and agree with everybody, then you lose your children. I'll tell you what, I lose anything, but I don't want to lose my kids. I heard someone tell of someone say, well, we got four or five, that's not bad. That breaks my heart. I don't want four out of five. I want 12 out of 12. I want them all. I want them all to serve Christ. But I want to tell you something that in my power, I can't do that. I'm going to have to get something beyond my power. I'm going to have to get something that's beyond my endurance. And, and I love to talk and I practice and I love to preach about faith, promise, missions, giving. But this morning, I want to preach to you about faith promise living. That's where you commit yourself to be obedient to the Word of God, understanding that in you, the power isn't there. But if you lay hold on the Word of God, it will be. You see, they prayed with much entreaty that Paul would take upon him the ministering to the saints. That's talking about your local church. That's talking about churches helping other churches. Now, I want Open Door Bible Baptist Church to be a church that ministers to the saints. But if we don't take care of the saints that are here, we won't have the strength to reach out beyond. We've got to ask God to take us beyond our power. Now I want you to stop and think about some things this morning. What has you in its power? What is controlling your life today? Is it circumstance? You say, I I'm doing the best I can. I don't know how many parents I've met over the years, how many fathers I've talked to. My, my wife and I have made this a study all our married life of talking to, to parents and, trying, and people that have uh, been there before us, trying to gain wisdom and direction and... And some of the saddest conversations that I've ever partaken of is when I hear a parent say, I don't understand why Johnny not serving God today. 
we took him to church and invariably somewhere in that conversation comes out we did the best that we could I'm here to tell you I don't want to do the best that I can because it's not good enough it's not going to keep your kids away from the world it's not going to keep you out of the degradation of sin if you're going to live God's way you're going to have to get some power that doesn't belong to you. And the only way you're going to get that, you've got to commit to do the direction first to your power. And then God will give you beyond your power. Amen? That's the kind of strength you need. That's the only kind of strength that's going to endure. Now, I want us to go to one more passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 12. We're just kind of working through. The Apostle Paul was the one that charged to be strong. And then he said, I was pressed above strength. So what did I do? I had the sentence of death in myself. I trusted God. He said, I want to tell you about a church that they did everything that was in their power and it wasn't good enough. But they committed themselves to God and God enabled them to go way beyond their own power and do things that are bordering and surpassing the definition of miraculous. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, some verses that we know well. Paul says in verse 7, we'll put set to context, and lest I should be exalted above measure through the abundance of revelations, there was given to me a thorn in the flesh. The messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I should be exalted above measure. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice, that it might depart from me. And he said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. Do you think that's what Paul was telling Timothy when he said, Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus? I do. It says, For my strength is made perfect in what? Can you read that next word out loud with me? In weakness? Can we try that again? For my strength is made perfect in... Um, can we try one more time? That was pretty pitiful. Here we go. For my strength is made perfect in... Okay, we're almost awake. And uh, it says, Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my... What? infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me therefore I take pleasure in infirmities and reproaches and necessities and persecutions and distresses for Christ's sake for when I am weak then am I strong do you think Jesus was trying to dramatically illustrate that point when he was driven of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted immediately after his baptism, that he fasted for 40 days and 40 nights before the main temptation came? Let me tell you, I think I could whip any professional boxer if he followed that formula. He just didn't eat for 40 days before the fight. I think I could win. That'd be the only way I'd have a chance of winning. But if he didn't eat for 40 days, I think he'd be weak enough that even I could take him on. 
you're going to be weak. Now, don't go home and say, preacher said I got to fast 40 days. That's not what I said. I said Jesus is illustrating that point. There was nothing in his human flesh that he could depend upon to fight the devil after not eating for 40 days. You know why God has called so few talented people to serve him? Because they're not weak. They got something they can use. It's hard for somebody that has some ability or some special uh, qualities about themselves that, that other people don't have not to depend upon those things when you stand before God. Paul said, when I am weak, then am I strong. When's the last time, men, you've got on your face before God and admitted that you didn't have the wisdom or the strength to raise the family God gave you and prayed that God would give you the ability and the strength to raise that family. That's what Paul's talking about here. When's the last time you got your checkbook out and your finances and set them down before God and say, God, I don't have enough strength to understand the stock market and, and the banking and, and the value of the dollar and all of these things. I don't have enough strength to understand how I'm supposed to pay all my bills. But Lord, I admit my weakness and I want you to give me some wisdom. They're, they're coming out with some figures that are absolutely terrifying to me. They did a study. They say in New York City to raise a child from birth to graduation is about $125,000, not counting college tuition. I got nine kids still at home. That's over a million bucks. At my present salary, it's only going to take about 300 years to get there. No, I don't know what the math is. But let me tell you, God's paid every bill. And I'm not that good at accounting. I hate it. But we do things right at our church. And any member, just so you know, you have a chance to look, you want to know where the money goes, you come and take a look. We give reports every year and show you where it all has gone. But listen, when's the last time you admitted that you were weak and asked God to give you direction with your children, with your finances, with your marriage? How, ladies... How in the world are you going to straighten out that husband of yours? Wouldn't you like to know? Right here's the answer. You stop trying to straighten him out. Plead your weakness before God and ask for his strength. God will straighten him out a lot quicker than you will. I promise you. Men have this built-in thing, in case you didn't know it, ladies, that when you come up and say, would you please take care 
there's just a switch inside that, go, that turns it backwards and it says, I ain't going to do it. Now, guys, that's the flesh. That's not the Spirit of God. But ladies, if you would admit your weakness and pray to God, let me tell you, he's able to grab a hold of that heart and turn it around. Amen, ladies? Guys, you want God to make you the man that he wants you to be? Would you agree with the Apostle Paul that you don't have enough strength and wisdom to do it on your own? And accept your weakness. You see, this is what Paul was talking about in the book of Galatians chapter 2 when he said, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me in the life which I now live in the flesh. I live by the faith of, the faith that belongs to, the faith that comes from the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's how you got saved. That's how you're going to live. That's how you're going to have strength in these wicked times when everything is against you. You see, when I'm weak, that means Jesus has more control. When I'm strong, I think I can handle it. And that's when you get into trouble. Man, God wants you to be a man. He wants you to be a strong man. He wants you to be a man that can stand up to being pressed out of measure. And we're not talking about just your thumb in the car door. I mean, we're talking about your whole person. God is the kind, the kind of God, the God of the Bible wants you to be strong enough to stand up against the pressures of our society and our world. And the, God is the one that wants you to trust totally in Him so when it's all said and done, somebody has to admit that there's a God in heaven because there's no way Pete Montoro could do what he did. I think sometimes God has put us where we are and done the things we did just so we can take away other people's excuses. I've had people tell me many times over the years. I remember one guy, this was before we were in the building, he says, you just can't raise a family in New York City. I called his name. I said, Chris, I think God made a mistake. At that time, we only had five kids. I said, if you can't raise a family in New York City, why did God give us five kids? I'd like to know where he is now so I can call him up and tell him, now we got 12. You have no excuse. Do what the Bible says. And you don't have to know me very well to know that I'm not that smart. I'm not that business savvy. I don't claim to be. I don't want to be. I'll tell you what I do want to do. I want to know what this book says. And I want to take every living breath and make sure my kids know what this book says. 
Because you know what? I can't be a perfect father. But I want my children to know I love the Lord. Because your children will love what you love. They just will. It's something that God built into them. You wonder why alcoholics raise alcoholic children. They love what their parents had. Why drug addicts raise drug-addicted children. Why abusers raise abusing children. It's because God put something in the heart of a child to follow in his parents' footsteps. I want those footsteps to be ordered by the Lord so my kids follow God. God is real, my friends. He's powerful. But his power is not for those that have their own strength. God does not help those who help themselves. That's Benjamin Franklin, not Bible. God helps those who surrender to him. And that's the plea for today's message. Let's have every head bowed and every eye closed. The time of invitation is here. I just want to invite you to act upon the scripture. Would there be even one here today that would say, Pastor, I'm, I'm here and I'm, I'm not sure about my salvation. I've been doing the best I can and uh, I think I'm understanding that that's not good enough. Raising your hand will not save you. Only trust, putting your faith and trust in Jesus Christ will do it. But would there be anyone here that would say, Preacher, I'm, I'm concerned about my soul. Would you at least pray for me? I'm, I'm concerned that I'm not saved. Would there be one here today that would just lift up a hand and say, That's me, Preacher. Would you pray for me? Just slip up your hand and right back down while no one else is looking around. I'm not going to call you out, embarrass you in any way. I just would like to, to pray, and this is the only way I know how to do it intelligently. How many others would say, Pastor, I know I'm saved, but I've been trying to go in my own strength. I've been uh, trying to figure out how I'm going to live in my own power. But I want Jesus to change me so that I'll be the person that God wants me to be. Would you just slip up a hand and say, that's me. You don't have to be a father to raise your hand on that one. Anyone else before we go to prayer? Okay, I see hands all over the auditorium this morning. Anyone else? Okay, thank you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you. You saw the many hands who were raised. Lord, there's no way we can live in this world in our own power. I mean, people do it. But we're not going to have what the Bible says we need to have. Lord, I ask that you would take this simple message this morning and help us understand that we can't do anything on our own. But God can do everything and wants to do all these things and more through us. But we must surrender. 
we must operate on his power. We must be willing to be weak that God will get the glory when he shows himself strong. Lord, I just ask that during this time of invitation, the Holy Spirit would have freedom to convict in hearts. And Lord, the decisions would be made that would change the way we live. Lord, that is the essence of true worship. We ask that you would work that in our hearts and lives in this service today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Let's stand together and have Brother Franz come and lead us.